Welcome, Alter State Podcast, Episode Seven. Lucky number we're cruising seven. Cruising along. Um, today we're going to talk about what did we watch before there was an MCU? Before DC had their own movie universe? Before Disney bought everything and put it all on a streaming service? What? So basically, let's say two thousand eight, two thousand seven, and earlier. What were we watching as far as comic book movies, comic book TV shows, all that good stuff? So, it's the it's the get off my lawn edition of comic book yes, movies. Yes, yes, really going to show our age totally. But you know, this was born from us checking out Captain Marvel this week That's and right. loving the shit out of it. Yes, so you know we're going to end up there. Absolutely, but I think, uh, and with the MCU being its own podcast in and of itself, I'm sure. Um, we're scaling back a little bit. Let's, right. you know, let's give some love to the universe before the universe. That's right. So basically, if you're a millennial, you won't know this. You won't know any of these movies. But you'll have a lot of. Fun but you should check them all out. About it. And if I'm yelling, fuck you. <laughs> That's meant for one person. You'll know who you are. Um. So I want to start off. Please let's yes. let's imagine, um, early '80s. A young Brandon yeah. uh, sitting on his parents' or grandparents' floor. Yeah. What's the comic book movie? What's the first one that you were like, ooh, this is a character I've seen in print? You know, it's... There was a couple, and they were not necessarily comic book movies. I mean, there's comic books about them. Sure. Um, you know, being a child of the 80s for the most part, early 90s. I loved He-Man. Ooh. Masters of the Universe came out with Dolph Lundgren. Mm-hmm. Um, 84, 85, I want to say. Okay. It was a shit movie, but at the time, god damn it, they had all the great characters on there. I'm like, He-Man's real. Yeah. Evil Lynn is real. Skeletor is real. Uh-huh. It was my first, you know, because I'd seen, I love G.I. Joe. and had G.I. Sure. Joe cartoons. Uh-huh. At that point, there was no G.I. Joe live action movie. Um, so the fact that I could see what I deemed as cartoon characters live action mm-hmm. changed changed it, man. I'm like, totally. holy shit, this is legit. Totally. So I want to say Master of the Universe was probably my first. Now I say that, but, you know, I also loved Howard the Duck, which I mm-hmm. consider, he's a comic book character. Oh, he is. Absolutely. And that is an entire, Howard the Duck has its own universe within itself, mm-hmm. Which I hear down the road, they may try to start exploiting. Kevin Smith is going to start right, writing on Hulu, so that could be a whole uni- universe in itself. Sure. Um, what else did I really get into? Um, well, it, it, it wasn't a movie. Um, I loved the greatest American superhero. Did you ever see? Oh, I am I am bereft. TV show in the eighties. Is this had, like American Gladiators? No, well, not at all. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, what was the dude's name? Um, oh, what was the guy's name? I totally forget. I feel so bad. Uh, William Cat was the main character, and then Robert Culp. You know, Robert Culp. Mm-hmm. He was, like, the secondary character. So William Cat was a school teacher. Okay. Um, in the first, so the first episode of the TV show, it was only on for two, maybe three seasons. But, of course, back then, they made... 24, 30 right. a season, that's so you had a good chunk. Seasons, right. you got 75 fucking episodes. Not to 12 episodes, whatever they do nowadays. Uh, so he's a school teacher. I forget how, but aliens somehow gave him this superhero suit. 
and with no instructions, you know, so he put on the superhero suit. Next thing you know, he's a superhero. He can fly. Uh-huh. He can do all this kind of crazy stuff. But he has no idea. Like I said, there's no instruction manual. So he had no idea how to use this suit. So no, Kind of it, like the Shazam. Very now, much so. It, so it was, a lot be. of it was him figuring out what to, how to use it. So yeah. it wasn't just all over the top, beat up this guy, fly around here. Sure. He would fly and couldn't figure out how to land. So he'd fly into a building or crash. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, dude, when I was – this was probably – Eighty three, eighty forty five. So I'm, you know, five, six, seven, eight. I saw this on TV. This guy has like white curly or uh, blonde curly hair. He didn't look like a superhero, but then he put a suit on. I'm like, holy shit! There, it's just a regular it's an icon. Dude. It was. It blew me away. If you no have shit. not seen the greatest American superhero, go see it. I can't wait. You to gotta watch see it, it man. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it might not hold up. I haven't seen a lot lately. It doesn't but matter. It's the nostalgia ride will put a smile well, on your face. Well, as as a kid of the '80s and '90s myself, I I can watch things that don't hold up and still totally have right? that little bit of right. that lens of like, no man, right. I remember that era. Yes. So I see why this works. Right. Yep. Which was great. Yep. Um. So for you, what would it be? So it's weird. Like I said, you know, grow. I'm I'm about ten years younger than you. Right. So I'm born in 87. You so really have to hammer that home all the time, don't you? Every chance hey, I every get. Podcast, every podcast. I am 10 I years younger get. than you. Every chance I get. Um, <laughs> Whatever. Well, I, 20 years ago, you would have been asking me to buy you beer. So right. I don't want to exactly. hear it. <laughs> Brandon, I teach teenagers all day. That's very true. I am reminded that I'm old and not hip every Probably fucking you day. Probably a lot, right? I need to have these moments. Just wait until the store's open. Okay. And we're the, right. We're the nerds who the nerds hate. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> um. So, like, there's a lot of that kind of mid-90s Schumacher Batman that I've hit on. Yeah. Um, or, like, Lewis and Clark. Yes. Um, Dean Cain's okay. Batman, yes. or Superman. Smallville. Um, small, Smallville, I actually never really got into. I, I didn't either, to be honest. I feel like that um, was just that outside yeah, of my window. Th- that was kind of, of Smallville yeah. was, like, when I was in, from, like, middle school to middle of high school. Okay. And I was so I, watching. So I was raising a child. Okay, go ahead. Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I was I was watching a lot of the OC and a lot of Veronica Mars yeah. at that point. Yeah. Um, but so it's weird. So it it would make sense for me to say something like, um, those Schumacher Batman's that I adore, even though they're shit movies. Again, I'm not going to defend. I'm Val Kilmer. I'll never live down, but I'll I'll die mm-hmm. on that fucking hill. Um, I love Val Kilmer, but. As uh, anything other than Batman. Right. <laughs> um, so the Schumacher Batmans actually do hold a, hold a special place in my heart. And, um, you know, some of the later, the, the what would have birthed the MCU, like when Marvel Entertainment was licensing out their properties. So like uh, your early 2000s, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man. Sure. Um, and the first two X-Men, first three X-Men movies, but I'd, w- w- we'll go on later, I'm sure, about those. But when I think about my first kind of kind of go-around, it's, it's weird. My good buddy Mark, um, who lived like right behind the comic book store we always went to, his dad had a great VHS collection that we always raided when we were kids. Um, and two movies... That we consistently pulled out as kids, that kind of continued to grow this kind of nerd seed in my head. 
are two kind of universally hated movies, but hold a special place in my heart, and that is um, the Super Mario Brothers VHS with Bob Hoskins yeah. and John Leguizamo. Sure. But, um, oft forgotten, the 1982 Wes Craven Swamp Thing. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, before Wes Craven gave us uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, which yep. was a couple years later, yep. and then, of course, the screams in the 90s, yep. um, he adapted Swamp Thing. And when I was a kid, and it was 82, um, so, I mean, I probably saw it 10 years later. Right. Um, but that VHS, we wore the out. fuck out, man. And it was, you know, we'd ride our bikes down to the comic shop, see, you know, pick up some dime bin shit from right. back issues that yep. we would get, you know, old, uh, issues of Swamp Thing and right. Silver Surfer and whatever and get a Slurpee and go back to his house and we would watch that Super Mario That's Brothers awesome. and Wes Craven That's Swamp fantastic. Thing. fantastic, yeah. And I couldn't tell you a damn thing about that movie. Totally, right. It's, you know, while I, while I wore it out when I was from ages 10 to 12, I probably haven't seen it since. I can, I can see clear as day in my head the practical effects that that Swamp Thing was. Right. I can see that Swamp Thing. Couldn't tell you anything about the story. <clears throat> Along the same lines uh, of... Because Swamp Thing is, I would consider probably kind of a B-movie you oh, know, definitely. Right there with Toxic Avenger. Well, that's exactly what I, I had. Toxic Avenger on my list, and I couldn't tell you anything about the movie, but I know I saw it a hundred times, and it just—it was one of those things that was just on repeat. Right. Because I, back then, if you bought the movie, you fucking watched the movie. You know All what I mean? It's not like time. it's not like hey, so and so's on Netflix. I may watch twenty minutes of it and then turn. Right. You had the movie. You popped it in. You're watching the movie because mm-hmm. that's your night. You know what I mean? Toxic oh, Avenger. Yeah. And I remember looking back on the effects. It's so horrible. Oh, it's the worst. But that, to me, when you say B-movie, I think Toxic Avenger. Oh, absolutely. I think Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. You know, that kind of horrible oh, yeah. shit. Um, killer Clowns from Outer Space. Killer Clowns from Outer Space, yes. Um, and, you know, and when I got older, it wasn't until then that I realized, well, that's really, I don't want to say a comic book movie. But that's in the same vein but, oh, as... Oh, very much it is. Uh, totally, right. Well, it's, it's, it's movies... There was no such thing as a comic book movie back then. It's right. Like, That's it, you, like know I mean? you know, we talk about... I didn't know that they that, stole that from a comic that book. That Wes Craven Swamp Thing really wasn't... And it was Wes Craven adapting Swamp Thing, but really it was Wes Craven in the burgeoning years of being a horror master. Right. Saying, right. oh, here's a property I can do something to. He wasn't... In that movie, I'd be willing to bet. Like I said, it's been 25 years since I've seen it. Mm-hmm. But I'd be willing to bet he wasn't adapting an actual storyline from Swamp Thing. Sure. You know, he was looking at that character. He probably took a character and a name and said, I'll write my own story and call it Swamp Thing. Exactly. Which is totally fine. Um, But that's what makes all those movies of that era different. They are all comic book movies because, you know, I think we fall in this trap now where we feel like, because of how the MCU has done things, which I adore, but we all feel like every comic book movie has to be an exact adaptation of this uh, right. seven-issue arc right. in fucking 1992, and if it's not panel for panel right. that, then then let's burn the whole place to the right. ground. When in reality, like a lot of those movies are just... When I think of comic book movie, I don't necessarily think of 
intellectual property comic book, I think of a movie... If it's a movie that I would fall in love with for the same reasons I fell in love with a comic book, then to me it's a comic book movie. Right. You know, and like Toxic Avenger, everything about that movie screams everything about I loved seeing in a four-color panel as a kid. Right. So that's a comic book movie. Right, I agree. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I I, I have nothing to to argue (laughs) with that. I agree 100%. Yeah, totally. Um, One that we didn't mention... You know, and I was, I was still young when this came out. Um, the Crow, the oh. Crow really changed a lot. I feel like the Crow hit, and people were like, "Okay, people dig this." And mm-hmm. it wasn't, you know, of course there was all kinds of horrible things that happened around the movie, that, sure. you know, with uh, Brandon Lee dying and things like that. But after that, Blade hit. Yeah, it was and dark, and Blade and Blade, was, and Blade kept sold. Going. Blade, Blade was sold marketable. a lot. Blade, Blade was very, very marketable, and I that was early in the whole comic book adaptation. Sure, um, and I don't think people really realized that that was right. a comic people book. Didn't realize I don't even think they know today that that's a comic book. Because a lot of people don't. Blade has never been mentioned in any MCU right. universe ever. Not you know, it, but it, he will. I, I absolutely. I I we were talking about this earlier. I'm I read on. Uh, I say I read. I probably fucking saw it on a YouTube clip. Who knows. <laughs> I read makes you try to sound more important. Well, you know, I didn't read. You are I saw Brandon. right, totally. Uh, that they are doing another Blade movie with Wes- Wesley Snipes. Not sure if it's going to be, you know, a continuation or if he's uh, just going to be Blade and it's a full thing. Or I'm not sure how they're doing it. But I did say they are bringing Blade back to the uh, MCU with Wesley Snipes, which is fantastic. Which is so cool. He was one of the greatest page to screen characters to me was blade i mean he looks so much like the comic book uh the movie was you know the first movie was very very true to the book uh you know trinity was what it was i thought it was good i you know ryan reynolds makes me laugh no matter what um we talked about jessica beale's bad just right and we talked about it before basically it's ryan reynolds acting as deadpool before right deadpool it's it's 15 years one-liners and dumb shit and swords and all kinds you know so uh but it's yeah, the first building block to that. Absolutely, yeah. The Crow and Blade, um, you know, those I wouldn't call that necessarily my childhood because that was, you know, the Crow was like ninety four, Blade was like right in ninety four, or probably yeah, a later probably than that. right in that ballpark. Um, but to me, that really opened up the door because right then I was really focused on a lot of like Quentin Tarantino type stuff, sure. and, which is still great. I still love. I mean, I would argue from Dust till dawn might as well be a very comic book movie. movie. Absolutely, yes, yes. And not only that, but. Um, um, What's his latest one? Uh, Django. You know, it's yeah. a spaghetti western, but it's very out there and shoot them up. And when you shoot it, somebody, it they explode. Like you know what I mean? It totally does. Totally. I, you know, and I have nothing to base this on, but I feel like I haven't read a ton about Quentin Tarantino. You know, I know he did the whole, he worked at a video store and things like mm. that. But like you said, it still feels like he would be right at home in that pop culture genre, comic book culture. It all fits well, right I into would that. Say, like when I look at Tarantino, I think. There are a lot of parallels that you could draw to, say, a Wes Craven. Sure. Um, who, I mean, cut his teeth on a swamp thing. Right. That, right. you know, I, I think Tarantino is a, is a really... There's a reason that he's so beloved in not only, like, general kind of film buff circles, but very much so in the same kind of pop culture, comic booky sure. circle. You know, yeah. like, he he's... 
the same people that really love Tarantino flicks also really love comic books. And right. I don't think that's right by accident. Right. Or I don't think that's a fluke. You look at something like Kill Bill, very comic booky, especially with the fight scenes. Right. You know, you kick somebody and, and fly it's across an the room. Totally. It, you right. know, I think it's a, it's like the, a, like a story arc. A you know, super your... bizarre attention to detail, right. which so many of us seem to hold on to that like these weird fixations and I and I think that that Tarantino kind of lives in that realm where he's not a comic book guy, but he is spoken in the same breath, in the same totally. circles. Right. Yeah, if to me it's weird. It's you think of I think of like Spawn with like Seth MacFarlane or um, oh, man. you know, things like that. The early Spawn with John Leguizamo. Yes, to me that's not much that's different a than a Tarantino book. type stuff. You know what I mean? That's it's that not feels the very at all. the same it's vein to absolutely. me. You know, um and I have no idea how we got into that. Um you know, I'm by no means a Tarantino pimp. I think Tarantino's did, great, but did you see their make uh, McFarlane's making a Spawn? He's movie, making new Spawn, yes, and it's going to be rated R yes. and brutal as shit. I think, I think it's a great idea. And yeah. I, it, yeah, I, I saw an interview with him after Venom was released. Yeah, where he was talking about just yep. like, no, this is going to yeah, be. It's funny. I haven't to the uh, page brutal. I haven't been keeping up on the uh, Spawn issues like I've wanted to in the comics. Sure, but I keep buying them because we're almost to. Shit, when it's like uh, three or four hundred, it's ridiculous the number really? of spawn ish. Yeah, so we're like right to that, you know, to those milestone the milestone numbers. numbers. I'm like, I, I, so I just keep getting it, so I have the arc, mm-hmm. and I'll go back and read it. But I just, it's one of those things like I just gotta, I gotta buy it. I yeah, I, you I know love it's it. weird. I never read Spawn, but watched the Spawn movie mm-hmm. that came out in. Was that probably 96, 97 yeah. in that ballpark? Right. When I would have been young, but I remember renting that from Deerberg's video store. Right. Like when it was a new release, me and Gibson watched the shit out of it. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, I watched that movie. My big sell to that movie was John Leguizamo. Yeah. Well, he was a huge and, star at the time, right? Um. Because even weirder, one of my favorite movies to date. That I still love. That was right before then, was the pest. Oh sure. And that movie gets got shit on left and right. Yeah. And I will be the first to admit, it's a very annoying movie now, but it has some great jokes. Great. And like I saw that movie, but I was probably ten years old the first time I saw it. And to a ten year old, that movie is hysterical. Right. And then even now, maybe it's because I laughed at it as a kid. But even now, I'll watch it. Um, it was on Netflix for a brief time, probably like two, three years ago. I remember pulling up to Libby. I was like, holy shit, the pest is on. Let's watch it. <laughs> and we watched it, and I laughed my ass off. And the whole time, my wife stared at me like, what What's wrong with you? fucking right. idiot right. did I marry? Yep. This movie is stupid. I know that look very well. Um, yes. Yeah. But, so I like very shortly after the pest... John Leguizamo then plays the villain in Spawn, right? Which uh, I then wore out. Which you wouldn't. No one really knew unless you knew you paid attention. But you can't tell who oh, that is. Totally. That big fat clown, blue totally. makeup, and all. You can't tell who the hell that is. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think that movie, or he got that movie made just from name recognition. Totally. Because I can't even remember who the other who played Spawn. I can't remember the dude's name. I don't no, think he ever did either. much anything else. You know I mean, I mean, John Leguizamo was Luigi. Totally, right. And he right. was the pest. I'm starting to see a, a trend here um, with you. Right. So Leguizamo was my guy crush. is where right. I'm getting yeah. on. I Actually, he did do that, uh, what was it, a, um, 
an oral history of Latin Americans or something like that. I, re- I know it's like a, on like Netflix. A, like a, uh, that was like a stand-up. It bit. was a stand-up. It was like, and oh, it yeah. is remarkable. Really, it is. Really, oh, my, I've watched it ten times. No shit. It is. It's really funny because his delivery is just like he. he John Leguizamo was one of the. You're right. You're, my man crush is going to come out, and I've loved this dude for like 20 years, and now I finally have a vehicle to, to um, <laughs> express it. express that love. But again, so I'll watch anything he's in, and I have. Um, but he he's a real master of being both assaulting and disarming at the same time. Sure. Um, just his delivery, he he can really hit home. While also being extraordinarily charming and rough around the edges, <laughs> sure, kind of like it's it's, yeah. it's hard to explain. No, I know exactly what you mean. So in that uh, in that special, he just bounces so effortlessly from being like this really delightful father because the whole thing he's like telling the story about um, his middle school aged son is writing a a, a book report or whatever about. Um, Latin American figures and John's trying to help him through that so like he bounces back and forth from being like this really loving and engaged father to then being this like really blue rough around the edges comedian about like fuck you you didn't recognize my people to also being this kind of like protective father like it's a he he just balances these kind of sure. personalities really wonderfully. It's very funny, very well written. Yeah. Please watch it. I've al- I've always liked John Leguizamo, man. He uh, you know I didn't dive deep into his catalog, but anytime I see him on something, he's always solid. I trust he's it. He's always solid, right? He he's one of those actors. Like I don't I don't worship at the altar of John Leguizamo, right? However, I have seen most of his movies, right? But it's because he's one of those actors that when I see it, his name on a poster, I trust it. He doesn't take, well, I say this in the same breath as knowing he was in Super Mario Brothers and The Pest, which I love but can't defend. But I, I, genu- I generally trust his taste. If, sure. if he signs on to a movie, I trust that it's not going to be a total piece of shit. A shitty movie isn't always the actor's fault. Right. Totally, right. Right. But it, it usually isn't. It, it's it usually all. not the right. actor's fault. However, so, so there's two different versions of a shitty movie. There's a shitty movie like, say, Batman v Superman. That's a shitty movie because it went through Warner Brothers' corporate machine and was over-edited and fucked with. Right. Or there's a shitty movie that's just a shitty script from the get-go. Right. Totally. Right. And I trust John Leguizamo to not sign on to a shitty script. Right. Like, the rare occasion he's in a shitty movie, it must be overproduced or over-fucked with. But I trust that when he reads a script at this point in his career... He's got it that like yep. he's only gonna show up on yep. set for something that at least on surface level is gonna be good. There's a uh, there's a podcast I love I listen to called uh, How Did This Get Made, mm-hmm. where they they watch shit movies or whatever and then discuss like how the fuck did this get made? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, there's never a John Leguizamo movie. You know what I mean? They haven't right. brought up Mario yet. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> other than that. Uh, they haven't brought any of that. Mario kid. was also like his second movie. Totally, totally. So he didn't have an option. And right. if we're talking about Super Mario Brothers, while again, I won't defend it. That's not true. I will defend it. But I'm not going to tell you it's a great movie. I will say we're talking early 90s. Um, so visual effects aren't where they are now. 
Um, also, comic book, video game, genre adaptations aren't where they are now. Right, right. Um, so you have to take that into consideration. And it's starring Bob Hoskins, who's a legitimate star. Yep. And Dennis Hopper is Bowser. Right, like, yep. This is a legitimate A-list cast. Totally. Coming on the heels of the first Ninja Turtles would, movie. Thinking that, about it. Like, right. that's a legitimate fucking movie, I would love man. to see what they spent on that. Just an right. actor's salaries. Right. That's <laughs> a legitimate A list. Because they're asking for some well produced movie. Absolutely. Um that while it doesn't hold up, I think when you look at it in the context of the day, you know, it was it was coming off the heels of Ninja Turtles. Sure. Like it, it was very much And Nintendo's everywhere. Mario Bros. are everywhere. Right. So let's see. I got it pulled up here. It came out in '93. Who would think a story about two Italian plumbers would shit the bed? Right. Yeah, it came out as ninety in '93. In okay. Um, it was inspired by Super Mario World, which we loved. Um, let me look at the budget. It was forty-eight million dollars? Wow, in '93. I mean, right, forty-eight right. million in '93 is a, that's I, a nut. Man. I gotta believe forty-five of that went to pay the actors. Sure. <laughs> Just and, watching the movie, I'm pretty sure. None of it but, went on screen. So the budget's $48 million and the box office was twenty point nine. Wow. Oof. Wow. Ouch. Yeah, that's a yeah. hit. Yep. Yeah. But that was a good flick. Or, that was a... Delete. Edit. Right. <laughs> that's not a good flick. I, but I, I have watched it relatively recently. I've watched right. it in the last five years. Right. And I, I think they made some bad decisions... But I think the majority of those bad decisions were based on the technology at the time. Sure. I think that's, I mean, Super Mario Brothers, if you really talk about it, is like a bad acid trip. You know, like, there are two Italian plumbers that fall into pipes. And actually, there's this real, when I teach surrealism to my students, there's a really interesting uh, PBS off book. Um, YouTube video about how Super Mario Brothers is a surrealist masterpiece. Um, that's very the movie itself, or just no, no Super Mario Brothers. Okay, has a oh, thing. okay, okay. And I and I find that to be uh, really kind of kind of fun thinking about this. So it's weird because you know Super Mario Bros. One of the really Super Mario and Legend of Zelda are arguably the two biggest video game properties of all time. Right. And neither one has had a legitimate adaptation. And that's interesting. I agree. Like, Mario did, but, like, it's been almost 30 years. How has no one revisited that? Right. And Legend of Zelda, how is Netflix not doing a miniseries? That's Lord of the Rings. Right. Totally right. That's a whole world you can totally explore. Yeah, it is untapped. I agree. It is so bizarre. Yeah, I don't know if there's like a copyright type thing, but that blows me away too. Why they ever tap that? Because, uh, like I said, it's I love I've loved Zelda uh, since I first got my Nintendo. Um, yeah, man. And I would jump. I would jump at the fact that there was a, a a movie, live action, even a cartoon. I would jump at the fact right. there's never been really been anything. Me too. Like Zelda is the that's the one video game property that like. I'm really all in on the mythology. Sure, of, you know, sure. like I, I've never been a huge gamer, but I've always loved Zelda, and I've played every Zelda game. Yep, and I just think that's ripe for a mini series. I agree, but I, I also agree. think Super Mario Brothers. Now looking at where the technology is, but I also think 
it's one of those things that like is so perfect for its own media that why why fuck with it? I do I think one of the reasons I still love Zelda so much is just because of that. It's never been diluted, tampered with. Right. It it is what it was when I was that age in the eighties and it's never changed. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's maintained itself. It's, it's, it's and grown it's, with the medium. Right. That video games is, but it's still a perfect video right. game. That's what like no one ever stole the property rights and just shit the bed with it. And right. Just made you, oh, well, it's like that. it's the same thing we talk about, say with Watchmen. Totally. So I the Damon Lindelof HBO thing aside, because I don't know anything about it yet. So I, I'm not I'm not even gonna include that in this conversation, even though we all know it's there. Right. Doesn't exist yet. But like the uh the Snyder Watchmen movie that came out in what, 07, 08 or whatever? Yeah. Um is by all means a good adaptation. I think it's a great movie. Yeah. It's I love it. Basically love it shot for shot. Right. Of the book, right. Um, with the exception of like the side stories, and of course they had to change the end. Right. Right. However, it was kind of universally by comic book fans panned because Watchmen is one of those book like the Watchmen is arguably the most perfect comic book agreed and it it's perfect not in that it's a perfect story but in that it is the perfect story to tell in that medium right it works so like you couldn't write the watchmen as a novel right and have it still be as impactful as it is just like you can't make it as a movie and have it still be as impactful right so like super or uh Legend of Zelda is kind of the same way as a video game. It's a really wonderful... Legend of Zelda is that game that has... It was the first open world. It was the first um, exploration, puzzle, problem-solving game. And it works as a video game. With a great story. right, Right. But really, as a movie or as a miniseries... It would probably be good. It would be fun. Right. And as like a fan, I would love to see it. But it, I also know that it wouldn't be as good as the, True. As the adventure that I'm leading. I think more... Right. Don't, I, would, I want it, and I want it to be good, but at the same time, I'm kind of glad they haven't done it, because to me that means there hasn't been that script or whatever that says... This has This to represents be it. You know what I mean? Right. And especially now at this point, because with social media and everything, you know... Watchmen still was a success and a great movie. Sure. And it did all that negativity from the comic book fans you didn't hear about until later when social media was more prevalent. Right. Because at the time no one was there was no Twitter for everybody shit all over it. You know, mm-hmm. people would pan it on blogs. Yeah. But unless you were a member of that blog, you have no fucking idea what they were talking sure. about. So you know, really I mean I loved Watchmen as a kid, the book. Um and then when it came out, I was like in that area where I was kind of between comics. I wasn't doing a whole, a lot of it. Okay. So it came out and it really brought me back into it. Oh, wow. The movie, you know, I was I, I loved it as a as early and then the 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 movie came out and I'm like, "Fuck, this is I thought it was great." Yeah. I thought it was really cool. The soundtrack was cool. It was dark, it was gritty. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really seen anything like that that represent comics as far as Yeah. Cussing well, it was and the first it was the first Zack and... Snyder. Right. You know, right. now that he's painted blown his wad all over the DC universe, yeah. you're like, "Man, you get it now." Right. Yeah. But the first I get time that I saw trick, it, right. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, it worked for Watchmen. I think it was great. Like yeah. 
And so, the casting was great. Right. I, I loved it a lot. I, yeah. I think Watchmen was a good movie. I enjoyed it. Um, that being said, I do think... I know that, like, my from my perspective, any genre thing is typically a good thing. I like more things that open the door, even if they're not for me. Right. So, like, I'm not going to shit on The Watchmen. Sure. Um, and I own the DVD. Like, I like right. I like that movie. But I fucking love that comic. Right. I'm with like, you. With you. that's the book that when an adult tells me, oh, you like comics? I'm like, read, read this. this. Yep. Absolutely. Tell me this isn't better than Shakespeare. Right. Like, I fucking dare you. Right. If you want to sit here and tell me... Or make, try to make fun that, of this. Right. right. If, if you want to tell me that Hamlet, because of these themes, is is better than The Watchmen, no, dude. Shakespeare might have been the first person to touch that theme, but in the last 300 years or however many years, there's been a billion authors that have Absolutely. touched those themes in the same way. Yep. And, and, like, The Watchmen, to me... Is that one, like, that was one of the books that I read, and I was like, fuck literature class. Like, this matters. This this speaks to who I am as an individual. Because it wasn't just about violence or superheroes. It was political. You know, it talked, it really, you know, and to me it was the first, maybe not the first, the first I can really actually remember of taking the past and changing it, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, Nixon gets sure. reelected, you know, things like that. That just, uh, you know, what a change to a butterfly effect. Exactly, it was my first real story. You know, of course, reading the books in the in the eighties and stuff, I was exposed to that, and I got it and I liked it. But then for some reason, when I saw it on film when I was older, I liked it even more. Right, I re- I, you know, it just it clicked more for some reason. I'm like, this is bad ass. To me, what The Watchmen was when I read it. So the first time I read it, I had already been into comics for a while. Like I said, like, because, you know, I wasn't an active reader when that was released. Mm-hmm. So I had been into comics. I was probably 13 or 14 the first time I read it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking late 90s, okay. early 2000s. movie out yet? No. No movie? Okay. Um, so it was late 90s, early 2000s, first time I read it. And that was... Um, that book was the first time in my memory. The, so I guess the first impactful time, if not the first time, that I experienced something that really showcased the idea of there not being a good and evil in the world. Sure. Because your history books are always going to tell you America good, foreigners bad. Right. Superman, Most movies Luther, are going right. to tell you hero good, villain bad. Right. Um when in reality, as we know as adults, the world was far more gray. Watchmen was all gray. There is yes. there is so much at war there is no good guy. Right. There just isn't. Right. There is two sides that both have good intentions, but at war there is no good guy. And right. the Watchmen was the first time, at least in a memorable way, that my very young, early teen mind was like, Oh shit. There there isn't a good guy versus bad guy. Right. Like, these good guys are kind of bad guys. Right. And these bad guys are kind of sympathetic. Yep. Which then kind of leans into what we were talking like, seeing Captain Marvel this week. Right. Played on that as well. And I, I think that's a, a really important 
message for young people to hear and for adults to hear, quite frankly, in the world that we live in where everyone is so goddamn wave your team's flag and fuck everybody else. Yeah. That it it is so much more great than that. And the Watchmen gave me that at a young age through panels, through panels on a page. Yep. And that's why I think, like, that's why comic books matter to me. Yes, I agree. And that, like, because that that's a story that, sure, maybe there are a lot of people that genuinely got that from Shakespeare or Dostoevsky or, or whatever right. classic piece of literature you want to quote. And that's great. I'm glad that you got that there. Right. But I got this same good shit yep. from Alan Moore. Right. And that's okay, too. Right. Yeah, I, you know, there's no... I look at comics a lot, you know, I thought about it more, after, especially after Stan Lee died and things like that. You know, it really was moral teachings. Oh, absolutely. You know, if I was raised Catholic, and I got a lot of my morals from that. But at the same time, I got a lot from, and I think ones I already had were... Reinforced. Reinforced through comic books. I mean, there's gray area, there's good, there's bad, but there's, you know, there's moral teachings. Well, that sounds so high and mighty. I hate to say it, but... No, it's it's ethics. It totally it and is. Right. I, when I would also say, like, again, we were both raised Catholic. While I got a lot of great ethical learning from my Catholic upbringing, I also got a lot of fucking baggage from sure, that. Sure. I, I mean, as we, like... I genuinely feel guilty for breathing air. Right. I, I'm with you. Um, and a lot of that comes from my Catholic upbringing. Absolutely. Yep. You know what never made me feel guilty? Comic books. I'm with you. Yep. They taught me right from wrong yep. and how to be a good and decent human. I only felt guilty like when I spent my last five bucks. Right. On my comic book. That's the only time I felt guilty about it. Right. Yep. I'm with you. I'm totally with you. Uh, before we get too far, I wanted to mention, I can't believe I haven't brought it up, Superman. Yeah, Christopher Reed, Gene Hackman. It's good shit, man. Yeah. Um, you know, they they got less and less as they got further down the road, especially towards Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. <laughs> well, I've only seen the first Christopher Reed Superman. Really? So you never um, saw the second one when when Bad Superman came in? It's Well, it's, you know, the thing is or I, some some Chris, uh <laughs> Superman 3 with Richard Pryor. <laughs> Come on, Richard well, Pryor is an IT genius in that one. I just don't, and I never have cared for Superman. I'm the same way. I've yeah. never been on so, on the I, page, I, not a Superman guy. I understand why, um, say, you or even people older than you would be into Superman as a movie. Because that was the first one. Was. That was right. the only one, right. really, until 89 Batman, which right. was, what, 10 years later? Yeah. So, I, I understand... Where that comes in, I've I feel fortunate to have never been limited in my options, but Superman has just never um, hit your radar. He's just never spoke to me. Like I, I I fully appreciate and love his cultural place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Cavalier and Clay is one of my favorite books of all time. I, I I appreciate what Superman gave to the world in that time in the. 30s and 40s and, and and why he was necessary as kind of an invulnerable boy scout right um do you think it was more i feel like superman got so much bigger uh 80s 90s cold war era because 
you had a Russian opposition that was easy to put on mm-hmm. the move. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You have a built-in uh, yeah, enemy. Yeah, in the 70s. Boom. Um, you know, not that Superman was all about the Russians type stuff, but it was all about nuclear disarmament. Sure. You know, it was all Cold War yeah. atmosphere, very Reagan-esque I, type I stuff. Th- I think that definitely um, played a role in it, but I also think, you know, if, if, you're, if we're talking... It's hard to, to imagine a world where... Well, I guess it's hard for some people to imagine a world where comic books and superheroes aren't a big deal. Mm-hmm. But when you think about when the, in a world when they weren't... So let's talk mid-70s. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if someone's going to go out on a limb and make a comic book movie, you're going to choose the most powerful, the most incorruptible, the most inhuman version. Because it's like Hollywood's shifted. In the 70s, you were trying to make a movie to be a comic book movie larger than life. And now, you're trying to take a comic book movie and make it more human. Right. Right. You know, and it's trying to meet in the middle. Sure. But at the time, I, I, I understand and respect Superman's place in the world. I think that comes from also... After Superman, you know, you have your Batmans and things like that. Uh-huh. But as they dig deeper, you know, the more you dig into comic books, the more you find the superheroes or whatever you want to call them, they're just people. Yeah. And that is so much easier to make a movie about oh, than absolutely. an alien who flies. You know what I mean? And that's much more relatable. That's why you have, like, the Punisher. Mm-hmm. Even Deadpool is more of a person than Superman and, and Batman well, type stuff. You know what I mean? I'd say that's, it's not a fluke that, let's say, when we talk about. Pre-MCU, but when comic book movies are really blowing up, the first two properties that were optioned from Marvel were X-Men and Spider-Man. Right. Now, we can probably say there's two reasons for that. One, both of those properties had killer 90s cartoons. Mm-hmm. So the 90s kids that were, you know, like if those cartoons came out in 91, this is 2000, 2001. So those kids are now grown up enough to spend money at the box office. But... Beyond that, the reason those were optioned is because those two characters, or those two sets of characters at least, more than anybody else, were human stories. Right. Like, Spider-Man is the shit. But, like, I loved Spider-Man as a kid because I was... I was an anxious, neurotic weirdo. I still am. I shouldn't say was. I am an <laughs> anxious, neurotic weirdo. Right. And so is Peter Parker. You know, to, to to borrow from Doctor Who, one of my favorite quotes, because you're a Scottish girl in an English village, and I know how that feels. And that was Spider-Man to right. me. Right, yeah. He was a Scottish girl in an English village, and I knew how that felt. Totally. And I understood that. Yep. And as a moviegoer in the early 2000s, so did, an, turns out, an awful lot of other people understood that too. Right. Um and then, you know, the X-Men? The X-Men was built as an allegory for fucking racism. racism. Absolutely, yep. So that's a story that, regardless of superpowers, on a very human level, we all understand. We've right. all, at very least, witnessed that otherness. Sure. Even if we haven't been a part of it, we've all witnessed it and experienced it and understand that as, and recognize that as part of the human experience. That, right. That the X-Men isn't a superhero story. Right. Right? It's it's a story of otherness that's told through superpowers. I agree. 
I and it's the same thing with Spider-Man. It's not it's just people who have not a, a different that, thing than you got. Yeah, it's right, not totally. a dude that climbs walls. It's a dude like Spider-Man is puberty, right? That right, enti- and that's the and thing that I got taken away from it in the movies. That. To me, was the adolescence of Spider-Man. Right, you know, Tobey Maguire was still. It started off at least he was young, but all of a right. sudden it turns into he's working at the paper and he's like big time adult. You know what I mean? Right. And, and uh, um, she's on Broadway. You know, all kinds of shit like that. I'm like, it just it became very unrelatable, very fat. I still enjoyed the movie for what it was. But they lost some of that. Well, I mean, what Spider-Man, made Spider-Man three great sucked, to me. But well, yeah. one and two were really remarkable movies. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I'm still good. Yeah. It is, by the way, St. Patrick's Day. Yes. So we are uh, fully supplied with beer and alcohol. <laughs> Happy St. Patty's Day to everybody out there. Uh, so other than, let's see, we covered. Another one I wanted to throw out there mm-hmm. um, that still gets the respect, not as much at, as I think it deserves as being like an early comic book movie, uh, Ghost Rider, Nicholas Cage. Yeah, um, not that, a bad flick. Not a bad flick at all, really. No, um, I would love to. You know, that I, movie made me fall in love with Ava Mendes. Oh, how could it not? Um, um, you know, and I love Nicholas Cage. I think he's great. Uh, I do think he's great. I was gonna, <laughs> you know what? I, I was going to change that, but you know what? He makes decisions now based on more tax reasons than anything else. Uh, but his some of his early stuff, Raising Arizona, is fan- he was so good in his early stuff. He was in uh, Into the Spider-Verse as Spider-Man Noir, and yeah. it was really fucking wonderful. I, uh, Please com- watch that. Well, Redbox on Tuesday. I got, I'm getting it on good. Tuesday, so I'll watch it on Tuesday. It's, so I'll have it for next week I've watched sure. it four times okay. since the first time. I'm, gonna, I'm definitely so going to watch fun. it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it. It's so fun. I, I've always liked Nicolas Cage, man. And, he, um, and he's great in it. Is he? Yeah. Um, did you ever see all the stuff about when he uh, was on the option to play Superman? Yeah. It would have been something to see. Um, the Kevin Smith led Superman. Totally, was. totally. Right. Um, did you see the, the movie? Uh-uh, the, the Death, Death of, of Superman? Superman Lives? You should watch that. I um, want to. I've, it, I've it shows some things like about some it, but... costume testing and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, it's still the super, you know, costume testing. But, dude, but he had the long, dark hair going. It could have been cool, man. It really could have been cool. He looked full-on Gen X. I think that, yeah. I mean, I think they would have gone with the whole Death of Superman angle, because that was yeah, big. That was sure. what happened right then. I think that could have been cool. I, you know. Uh, I say that because I loved, um, um, what's the director's name? Um, Edward Scissorhands. Tim Bur- Burton? Burton, yeah. I, I loved his early Batman stuff. Uh-huh. I thought that was cool, and I thought he could have made a nice... You know, when I watched that Death of Superman uh, Lives and everything, it made me think. I feel like Burton could have had a DC universe going back then. He he was on his See, way to building it. I think. I don't he, know that he intentionally he, did he it. He could have. Yeah. That being said, I am so happy that he didn't. <laughs> um, I'm not by any means I, saying I'm a huge well, Tim Burton well, guy. I, I, I like I, some of his movies. I respect but. his work in the '90s. Mm-hmm. Um, because he was doing some things that were I hated weirder than anyone else was in the nineties. Like he was, he was making weird mainstream, right? Which I liked, right? Because no one else was, right? But then, the, and again, this this probably shows our age our age gap, because by the time I was coming into being a, a by the time I had my own money, mm-hmm. let's say it was two thousand two thousand one ish. And at that point, Tim Burton was already just being weird for weird's sake. And then 
hot topic was monetizing everything that I liked. Sure. So all, and, all Corpse Bride, Night, uh, night yeah, Before Christmas and, kind and, of stuff. And, and I'd and, spent... It's like, maybe it's that douchey, shitty DIY punk in me. Yeah. That was like, I spent so many years just like kids would be walking around school with a hot topic shirt be like fuck you you weren't at the show right you right. weren't there with me yep or you know oh kids so- kids are wearing the fucking nightmare before christmas it's like right yeah you got that because it was 50% you don't know who off. sally you don't is fucking know right that. absolutely and that was like the holier than thou piece of shit yes. kid that i am right but also like tim burton came to me to like came to embody that like for lack of a better word, poser vibe. Sure. That, Wish like, me, yeah. even though I, I I, try to alienate myself from giving a shit, because who cares? People like what they like, and right. it doesn't matter. But there's still that, like, shitty, like, grungy kid inside of me that's like, no, man, fuck those guys. Every time They're I assholes, see... And they don't care like you. Right. And, uh, like... Every time I so see, Tim Burton um, is like part and parcel with that to me that like I can't I can't you're part of the it. problem Burton right man you're a fucking poser uh. dude. Uh, Every time I see like current like Winona Ryder Johnny Depp movie like I hope they're still giving Burton some money because he kept their fucking oh, careers alive yeah, for a long time yeah. when no one wanted any Hell part yeah. of them and now they're huge again. Stranger Things of course you know Depp never really went away but yeah. he was not the mainstream guy. Until Burton put him oh, in yeah. scissor hands and shit like that. Yeah. Um, and still puts him, you know, like I said, I, I hate that Willy Wonka or... Oh, God. Charlie and Charlie Chocolate Factory. Factory. I just don't... I, I couldn't... get this fucking Alice in Wonderland shit. Yeah, I didn't watch it at all because I couldn't... I just couldn't do it. Mm. I love the original Willy Wonka. I thought it was great. Uh, Gene Wilder. It's funny because that is one of, like... That movie scared the shit out of me as a kid. It's a scary movie. And I still, like, I still can't watch it. And I love Gene Wilder. I find him very funny. And, like, I'll watch, I'll catch pieces of that movie. And, like, Gene Wilder's performance is so lovely. But as a kid, man, watching all those kids die from loving chocolate was terrifying as shit to me. And, like, the fact that people would be like, oh, this is such a fun family. They'd be like, what do you mean this is a fun family? You go back and watch it. These kids are dying. There are so many, so many. There's a lot of 80s, 70s movies, kids' movies, that are dark as fuck. <laughs> right, grim. I mean, you know, and people talk about it all the time, but Christ, Bambi, the Bambi's mom gets shot and the fucking credits are still running yeah. in the opening scenes, and that's, welcome to the movies, kids. Yeah. Bam, mom's dead. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, part, part of me misses that. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why. I don't, because I feel like... Not that it's, you know, a little bit of reality, whatever you want to call it. Not everything's Disney. You know what I mean? Like, sure. If we're well, lacking shit, a better, Bambi is Disney. I, that's what kills me, is that that would never be a Disney movie today. They would not allow that to happen. Except Disney won't up... even say, we own Deadpool, because it's an R-rated movie. Right, it's but they're so going to end up, you know they're going to end up remaking... Bambi, of course a, they will as a live, live action, action thing. Sure, sure. And they're gonna fucking kill. They won't. Mom. They won't do that. Yes, they will. They won't do that. They will not kill the mom. You don't think so? No, no. If they do, the mom will die of natural causes in her sleep, peacefully, and in a reward. No, man. They're <laughs> gonna make a live action Bambi, and they're still gonna kill Bambi's mom, right? In the it's beginning. all gonna depend on Will Smith. That's probably true. If 
because people are starting to ease up on the Aladdin thing. If that is shit, that kills the live action stuff going forward. Because Beauty and the Beast, they did live action. Not a big. It wasn't shit on. Wasn't panned. Right. Wasn't huge success. Okay. That was like uh, a year I ago. I disagree with you, man. Wasn't a huge success. That was loved. That was a. Was it? That that made money, man. Didn't win him any awards. Yeah, but it made money, and that's what mm-hmm. Disney's counting. That's true. That's very Disney's true. Disney's counting dollars, that's not true. Oscars. That's very true. Well, well, that's very true. Yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. I think Beauty and the Beast was the one that like really kickstarted this because, like, so they did the Cinderella live action, right? That no one gave a shit about, right? Like, I didn't even know it existed. And then they do Mul- they do a Jungle Book live action too. Yeah. Okay, that's right. So okay. they did the the Cinderella. No one really cared about. They did Maleficent. Yes. That right. ended up being, that, yeah. what was that, Sleeping Beauty? Or I think so, yeah. That people really they, loved. That and I enjoyed. Right. I dug that. I did not see that, but I remember that. Um, I that, yeah. I, that was the first live action one that I was like, oh, okay. Like, this is kind of cool. And right. I think a lot of people were in that same boat. And then they did the Jungle Book, the John Favreau one, that was kind of cool, but it, was, it, it came and went. Like, okay. it was one that, when it was out, people dug it, and it made money. But it didn't really have any staying power. Yeah. But I remember watching it and thinking it was cool. And then Beauty and the Beast happened. When Beauty and the Beast happened, they were like, oh, this is a moneymaker. Gotcha. And after Beauty and the Beast, they launched the fucking Aladdin and Lion King and Dumbo. There's like goddamn six live-action Disney adaptations coming out this year. I know. And I think that's all because of Beauty and the Beast. You think? That movie made money and people loved it. And that's probably a good... Uh, another uh, example of the age ga- uh, age gap, you know, or, or at least you having kids when you did, right? Because maybe I just wasn't exposed to. Yeah, it. maybe. You know I mean, that, I have no reason. Sure. At forty years old to go see fucking live action Beauty and the Beast sure. alone. <laughs> you know sure. what I'm saying? Totally. And if I did, I'd end up in handcuffs. <laughs> so, right? No, it was that movie did well. I mean, it's still. Crushing on Netflix. Is dude. it okay? Well, we I, watched it the other day. I apologize. I, I just I, um, this is one of those I'm just not exposed to, so I didn't think I I knew it did okay. I just didn't think it had. No, I, that was the, the one that huge... kind of exploded. This I think. That being said, <clears throat> I I don't love it. Sure. Oh, for yeah. I mean, but I say that Beauty and the Beast is my favorite Disney movie. Really? Guaranteed. That's a whole Beauty, other podcast. So Beauty and the Beast. When I was, you're right. Yeah, could be. Yeah. As a kid. Of course, nowadays, um, you couldn't just do my favorite Disney movie, because now it's every fucking thing. Right. <laughs> they own it all now, but... But when I was a kid... So Beauty and the Beast came out in, like, what, 92, probably? Oh, man, I have no idea. In that ballpark? I want to say um, earlier. That's probably the re-release. No, no. It came out in the 90s. You for think? Sure. For sure. I saw it in the theaters when it came... In its original release. Disney gonna... was notorious for the re-releases. I mean, they would put it in the vault, and you wouldn't see it for 10 years. Right, but no. Beauty and the Beast came out... 91. Really? Was the original wow. release. That's I, I, I would have thought, um, honestly, 80s. So, uh, Beauty and the Beast is my favorite Disney movie. And it's because of Glenn Keane, um, who's an animator that I adore. And I, I can... This is one of my earliest memories, at four or five years old, um, telling my mom I wanted to be an animator when I grew up. Like, watching Beauty and the Beast... I still I I can that movie's on freeform three times a week yeah and every time it's on I watch it with my kids and if they're not around I watch it on mute I think it is the most beautiful piece of hand drawn animation oh wow in the world and that movie movie made me want to make art 
I'm an art teacher right now. I try. I do a bad job of making art <laughs> because of Beauty and the Beast. I love that's awesome yeah. the visual style of that movie. There you go. So when they re-released it, I had this weird feeling. Not that I have an issue with them re-releasing it, but the main reason I love it is because it's beautifully drawn. And a live right. action, you Kills all don't that. get that. Right. Sure. So like I and um, I love uh, Hermione Emma. Watson, Watson, there it yes, is. Yeah. Um, I love Emma Watson, and I think she was a wonderful Belle. Um, and they did a great job with that movie, but it wasn't Glenn Keane. Sure, and that that hurt it for me. Bunch of, yeah, um, I can see that. But I'm that movie. That movie did it, man. That movie's the reason we're getting all of this. You think? I do. I think that was the. I'm. Not. I think that was the first. I, it might be Maleficent. Maleficent did really well, too. But I think Beauty and the Beast was the first real live-action remake that they were like, oh, this is making us bank. Because Cinderella didn't do it. No. And Jungle Book eh, right. came and went. Right. But I think Beauty and the Beast was the first time they were like, oh, we've cracked the code. Um, we can make billions all over again. With a lot of those Disney movies. Excuse me. You know, uh, uh, just that... Uh, Genre. Do you think the soundtrack makes the movie in some of those? Oh, definitely. I mean, because there's some there's a lot of them. And I, you know, if you don't, you know, Beauty and the Beast or whatever, if you don't have some of those catchy tunes, do people still love it twenty years later? Probably not. I mean, at least not, not to the degree they do now. You know, like right. there, there'd be the weirdos like me that say like. Ooh, I love how that was animated. Sure. But, like, those movies are beloved because of their soundtracks. Gotcha. I mean, that I would say that's 90% of the reason that the general public loves those movies. I would agree. I, I mean, agree. that's a big chunk of why I love them. Like, that's not the end-all be-all, but that's, that's what makes them that shit memorable. That's my kids, who are three years old, you know, don't understand a story. Right. But... Like Frozen. They, they, when I think right. of Frozen, I'm saying, I'll, I'll, I haven't seen Frozen, but I know that song. You know my I mean? kids sing every song in that movie. They they don't know they the story. Know. Well, right. that's not true. They do know the story because they watch it all the time. Right. Um, but, like, that's what makes those movies unforgettable. The soundtrack true. changes them from being good movies to cultural moments, landmarks. You know, like, yeah, I mean, say, if we're talking about Disney Inside Out uh-huh. that they made a few years ago. An incredible movie, but it's not part of the cultural zeitgeist the way the rest of Disney is, because it doesn't have a soundtrack. At least not a sure. It's not a musical. Okay. Yeah, it's I understand. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. a good animated movie. movie, right? Whereas, like the typical Disney princess movies are musicals essentially, and that that cements them in cultural <clears throat> history. Agreed, totally agreed. Um, before we get into anything else, uh, going forward, I think from here on out, we'll do a little Captain Marvel. Yeah. So if you haven't seen Captain Marvel, maybe stop listening. We might throw a few spoilers in there. We're just going to chat about it. So if it comes out, it comes out. I apologize. Uh, but before we do that, it's St. Patrick's Day. We're going to do a shot. We'll be right back. So, back to it. Let's get into a little Captain Marvel again. Spoilers. We're probably going to drop some shit. If you don't want to hear about Marvel, 
Stop listening now. Otherwise, here we go. Favorite part of the last week. Captain Marvel's fucking awesome. Dude. I thought it was fucking great. I've seen it twice now. Yeah. I plan on going back for a second time this week. I, sitting on my ass on my phone this week, already ordered two Captain Marvel toddler shirts for my kids. Got to. Um, whether yep. they love her or not, doesn't matter. Yep. Higher, further, faster That's right. for life. That's the best thing about having kids is... Whatever they wear is your choice right now. Right. Yeah. It's pretty dope. <laughs> they have no say. Um, they have no say. No, I I loved it. I I did too. Um, um, just a quick, <clears throat> just to throw some stuff out there, 455 million global weekend, opening weekend. Holy shit. That's good for them. Half a billion dollars in the opening weekend. For, I don't want to say a secondary character, but Captain Marvel is... Well, it, it's more mainstream now than she has been in a long, long time. Well, I mean, you look at everything That was not Marvel, something I knew about Well, what Marvel's doing now, I mean, they're they're to the point that now all they can do is... The secondary You know, stuff. like, if you look at what they've been doing for the last five, ten years, Captain Marvel, Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man... Ant-Man. Yes. All of those characters are secondary characters. Big time, yes. You know? Um, But they are... Even really Thor. Sure. I mean, you know, even Iron Man, really. When you really look back on the comics, Iron Man was not the guy. Old shellhead. Totally. You know, uh, Captain America, sure, big time. uh, But Iron Man was not... Well, I mean, they're the guys. The head guy. Or the head. X-Men and Spider-Man. Totally. That right. belonged to other, other fucking people. people. Exactly. Exactly. So um, they, they had no choice, movie-wise. But yes. But I, what thrills me about especially, say, if we look at the best openings of Marvel in recent memory, throwing Avengers aside, you're looking at Black Panther and Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And... Both of those did well, one, because they were great movies, but also because they spoke to an audience that hadn't been spoken to in a, at least in an honest way. Right. Ever, maybe. Ever. Right. And that's what made comic books so good. Sure. Which is why, like, why I will always have a soft spot for, say, Captain Marvel is not in any stretch a movie about feminism. Not at all, yeah. But, like, I watched that movie, and all of the moments that, like, shithead trolls were, like, saying, oh, it's too feminist. No. My sisters had that moment where they were catcalled outside of a fucking convenience store. Sure, yeah. My my wife had that moment where she was told she couldn't accomplish this because she was, like, that's not feminism. That's just the female experience. Totally. Totally. And, if, and the guys who are harping on it have no idea what right. that is. Right, and, so. and if fucking douches don't see that, right. that's on them. Right. And it's the same thing with, like, say people that are like, oh, Black Panther is this black power thing. No, it's not. Not at all. I it's agree. It's speaking yeah. to the experience right. of, the like, just because that's not my experience doesn't mean it's not a fucking story worth telling or hearing. Right. right. And when I see Captain Marvel or Black Panther, both of those tell that story through that perspective yep. in a super honest way and right. also in a non-preachy way. Totally. Not, not in a way of like forcing this down your throat. It's saying 
this is my experience and this is how I can grow. Right. And right. that was, that was yeah. wonderful. I mean, and, and I hate to compare it to other female superhero movies, but let's say Wonder Woman, which mm-hmm. I enjoyed. I really liked Wonder Woman. I got no problem with it. I loved this way more. I don't, oh, totally. I, I just feel like it, maybe it's because of the 90s connection. I could understand, you know, I right, felt that, more connected to that. It, it was so purely Gen X. It that, totally like, was, the, there right. Were, I was talking to it, I was talking about it with students this week, and they were like, what would you feel about Captain Marvel? And there was so much of it that I had to say, like, I loved it, but they're, like, I am the perfect audience for it. Right. Like, every song is a time capsule totally. to me yep. in there. Yep. And, like, every poster they showed and yep. the fucking Mallrats reference oh. that just, like, tore my heart out. I, I don't want to say it was the best Stan Lee cameo. I do. Probably my favorite. I do. I still... Nothing makes me smile more than Stan Lee announcing strippers in Deadpool. Sure. That makes me laugh and smile. As far as the funniest cameo, the one that touched me the most and meant the most was absolutely this one. Well, I mean, well... It literally if, says mall rats in a but Marvel there, but movie. But there's a couple of things. There, there's layers to it. So, yes, it references mall rats, which is wonderful. But also, think about his mall rats cameo, which he's reading for there. Right. Where he's speaking to the true believer in all of us. Yep. Like... That's it's powerful, and I, I wish it's impactful. And I wish everybody knew when they saw that cameo that n- really, let's be honest, unless you were a comic book fan, you didn't know who Stanley was when he was when doing he that. Did Mallrats, right? Right, and like think about Stanley wrote that cameo for himself. Like Stanley knew that he was close to the end, and right. he chose. To remind us all of Mallrats. Right. Like, that's fucking right. powerful. And I don't want to, you know, obviously speak for Stan Lee, but, you know, on some level, I think he felt that kind of started to bring him back into the pop culture mainstream light. It did. It I, I, Totally. That, that, I mean, that's the original Stan no Lee one, cameo. I can't remember anybody really caring about who wrote comic books before that. Nobody. Yeah, I really don't. Nobody gave I mean, even shit. when Tobey Maguire stuff came out... For Spider-Man and stuff like that, Stan got his due, but not nearly no. like it, it turned out. You know what I mean? No. They they acknowledge them and things like that, but man, it's a. I mean that that moment was was wonderful on a yep. million. Lo- and yep. I mean, one, I'm a sappy shithead. Sure. Two, I'm a '90s kid. Three, I love Kevin Smith. So of course it speaks to all of the on things so many levels. Me. Yeah. yeah. But like. If if I try to eliminate those thoughts, still, it's just, it's really poignant, and it's really wonderful. And to me, more importantly, I feel like that, that cameo um, kind of emotionally grounded that part of the movie. Sure. Because, like, so, so if I had, if I had one complaint about that movie, um... And I don't... Complaint is the wrong word, but for lack of a better Criticism. word. If I had one sure. issue, yeah. it was for the first half of the movie, I, I didn't see any emotional motivation, right? I, I could understand what Veers was doing on a mission level, 
but I felt like my hero, Veers, didn't have an emotional journey. I feel like she wasn't, they didn't connect her enough to Earth to me for, for me to really see um, her emotional desire. It wasn't until she met uh, her former co-pilot, her best friend, mm-hmm. that that emotional journey started. Sure. And I feel like the movie really shined in the second half because of that. Do you think that's because up until that point she had no memory of any of that so she right. couldn't have an emotional connection to anything and i think that was by design totally I, yeah. um i i do wish they would have made that i wish that her amnesia would have been a little more selective like i wish she would have had more flashbacks okay not even necessarily scene wise but i wish that they would have shown her character with a little more conflict like flashes of things that she didn't know what right. she was seeing right, right. Sure. and a little more conflict or like say when she lands in the blockbuster, mm-hmm. I wish there would have been a little bit of a click of like, oh, this is home. Sure. Because even she didn't acknowledge it was home for another 35 minutes right. of her being on Earth. Right. And that. Until she saw that picture, really. Right. right. So that emotional journey I would have liked. That being said, you know, the first chunk of the movie didn't have an emotional attachment. Mm-hmm. And that. Stan Lee cameo at least gave the viewers an emotional connection. Sure. Because the vast majority of the viewers understand that Mallrats reference. Yeah. Or or understand that true believer. Yeah. Like, even if you don't understand what Mallrats is, he says the line in his cameo where he right. says, you know, stay strong, true believer. Right. And as a Marvel fan, you hear that. Right. Like, you're right. This is emotionally grounded. Right. Yep. It's going to pay off. Yeah. Like, and that, like, that kept me grounded for the first hour of the movie. The only other, I, when I heard that, like, I wish, the only other line I could think of that he could practice that would have made me smile, and I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember offhand, was like, you know, when uh, Jason Lee asked him about all the chicks, he's like, hell, me and Mick Jagger used to have a running contest. Or, you know, yeah. something like that. It would have been yeah. you know, hilarious, too. But uh, but what they did was was spot on right well it's just hearing stan lee say true, true believer, believer right. one last time it's either that or excelsior would have told you right that yeah. that felt yep that hit me yeah in, I in agree. a big way i agree and i needed to be hit there like i'm not gonna lie that first 20 30 minutes of the movie i was watching a movie that just kind of felt like an action movie which is fine but it didn't that was the first one that landed that was like oh like, you're you're paying me back. Right. You're giving right. me that true believer moment. Um, the one I don't want to say I didn't like that I I just wished was different, tweaked, and maybe it'll pay out in other movies or whatever. Nick Fury's eye injury, how he lost his eye. Uh-huh. I'm not a huge fan. Yeah. You know. And I, you know. I you know. Cat scratch, whatever you, you know, it's an alien being. Obviously, that's a full on cat, so I get that it could be more than that, but it just didn't sit right. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, I, my interesting thing is also kind of with Nick Fury, but not necessarily with the cat directly, but kind of. Um, and I think it could be fleshed out is that I feel like, and obviously, there's 10 to 15 years timeline between, wise sure. between but like this Nick Fury was so very different 
sure. from the Nick Fury we experience in the current timeline. Right. That, like, I feel like without having a bridge, that's kind of problematic. Like, I see what you're saying. I, I, I think uh, um, Sam Jackson was really charming in this movie. Totally. I loved him. Totally. But I was not connecting this Nick Fury to the one that then shows up in Iron Man 1 in the post-credits. Sure, sure. And every movie after, after that, right. Um, and I forgot where I was going to go with that, but it was... I don't know. I don't even know the word for it. But, like, you know, he said certain things in... I don't know if it was Winter Soldier or the first Captain America. I can't remember offhand. But, like, the the last time I trusted somebody, I lost an eye. And then it turns out to be a cat. I think yeah. that's what bothered me. You know, I mean, not that it's, <laughs> but it's I think not he, a big deal. It's I not. He, I if think that's he my only consistently complaint, makes up different stories about his eye. I think that, right. I think that's why this was kind of the payoff to that joke. Well, and I think that, and I think that goes along with where he's also, since Captain Marvel hasn't trusted anybody because he doesn't know who's a Kree, right. who's, in, who's impersonating who. Yeah. He's experienced that now, so I think that shows why he has become so independent mm-hmm. and operates only within himself sure. and keeps so many secrets and things like that. So I think Nick Fury in the comics has always had that air of mystery about mm-hmm. him and all kinds of stuff. So I, I, I dig that. I just, I, I don't know. And I don't know what the answer is to sure. make the, you know, and I do get that, you know, of course, when Agent Coulson comes back in saying, you know, Everybody said it was burned out because you yeah. wouldn't tell the, you know where the um, tesseract was and all all that kind of stuff. I don't I don't know I, just, I don't know why it bothered me and if that's the only sure. thing that bothers me in the movie, great fucking movie. That's you how know I what I'm saying. Like, I, I definitely had my my moments with it that I was just kind of meh on right, right. But in the grand scheme of things, if I were to look at you know say there's that was Marvel movie number twenty one right. I would put that, without thinking too hard, top ten. Oh, absolutely. Um, maybe even top five. Yeah, I'd have to sit down and um, kind of write a list, but yeah, I, I would have, agree I'd have to write a it's list. It's easy, top and, ten. And we yeah. will before ending. Absolutely, right, yeah. Um, but it's definitely on the it's definitely in the top half of MCU movies. Agreed, yeah. Agreed. Um, and maybe even top quarter. And that's high praise, because when I think about 21 Marvel movies... The only ones that I would say are the only ones that I would say I wouldn't watch again regularly would probably be like Thor two, right? Iron Man three, or maybe. Right. Iron Man, even Iron Man two. I didn't love. I didn't love it either. No, um, the whole scene with but the really, Mandalorian thing kind of. Most of those movies I like totally right, and I would put that top half at least, if not higher, on that list and. I, I think that's a good thing. I, you know, we, we've reached this kind of weird place in pop culture where we want to try to, like, everything has to be better than the thing before. Whereas, like, no, it just has to be a piece of the right, thing before. Right, and Especially this, with the MCU. I mean, it's right. all one big piece of the puzzle. So, yeah, I agree. I and this agree. one, I, I think it was the right time and place as far as giving you a genuine like you said against against Wonder Woman mm-hmm. if we take Captain Marvel against Wonder Wonder Woman felt like this kind of triumphant moment for women in getting their representation 
Whereas Captain Marvel felt more genuine, for right. lack of a better word. Like, yeah. I feel like Wonder Woman feels like it's trying to say, I'm a woman, I'm here. Right. Whereas Captain Marvel's trying to say, like, I'm a fucking badass. Just a badass, right. And I'm here. Right, I agree. And I happen to be a woman. Right. Um, and I think both are great movies, and also I'm a middle-class white guy, in my opinion, doesn't fucking yes, matter. Right. I'm not trying to say it does. Right. So please don't crucify me on no. this. No, please. Um, Tell me in your Caucasian 30-year-old experience what the plight of women in this country right. has been. Right, <laughs> it's not that. But, like, I feel like when I was watching Captain Marvel, I just felt like... I felt, as a viewer, empowered by the underdog in that scenario of just like, wow, this is really fucking shit. Yeah, like there's right. that weird flashback where like right. the asshole pilot's saying like, this, you know why they call it a cockpit. Right. And like right. shit like that where I was like, no man, fuck that dude. Right. Be a badass. But at the same fuck time. Fuck that dude up. That also to me. That was par for the course for the 90s. Oh, which totally. Is, you know, that's, totally. that's a 90s conversation. That was, that that was, was very real. Totally that how that was very happen. genuine. Yes, yes. But it also was like, no, fuck that dude. Right. Get I agree. Fucking win. Right. Fucking make that dude feel like a dick. Yep. Agreed. Um, Agreed. Or like when she fucking steals the bike when the guy's cat calling her was like, <laughs> right. yes, man. Yep. That's super 90s. Yes. In the 90s, dudes felt even more so emboldened right. to holler a chick. Right. And I'm so glad that a girl in that moment is saying like nope I'm gonna fucking steal this leather yep. I'm gonna steal this bike and fuck that dude damn right like that was that was a nice cinematic yep. moment put on my what was she wearing a was it a was it a Beck Nirvana. shirt Nirvana shirt she's wearing a Nirvana, Nirvana? tee okay. and the tied okay. around that's fucking right. flannel that's yep. right yep. so Gen X totally that was, that was it I was talking to kids and like I had naturally as I teach teenagers they all want to have their critique and I told I was like you know it's hard for me um, to be genuine about this because I I can look at the structure of a movie and say what I like or dislike but one it does have characters that I already have a relationship with so I'm automatically going to love it Right. but more so it's so 90s and like all my students look at the 90s through like this romantic lens of like you know the same way like kids of our youth looked at the 70s sure, or whatever right, right. um it's all leo look, and titanic right but <laughs> i look at the 90s as like no i i lived every bit of this and like hearing those songs and right. seeing like the posters plastered up and you go, go through a blockbuster i have a Badass. very different relationship yeah. with that that i was like you could make a bad movie that right. featured that and it would right. still grab every part of me Sh- shooting schwarzenegger and jamie lee curtis right. on the pop-up stand right. uh, true lies uh, you know right. and uh yeah it was great man you know elastica is in a movie you know <laughs> oh, i mean this God. is it's it blows me away yeah. um yeah i'm a huge obviously uh alternative 90s radio guy and, and that just hit every sweet spot for me too yeah it was great and you know it was incredible. in the background there's 311 posters it, right. it you know, it's you know it, it was great it, the it, smashing pumpkins yes melancholy and... emphasis and is right there it's, yeah. it was perfect man I, I i dug it a lot it you know and then the best so like they had the whole 90s soundtrack that set up for this moment but somehow i still wasn't expecting it that they finally get to the end and the big fight scene and goddamn no doubt, no doubt. Justin just a girl comes on. Yeah. And when that came on, like that first riff, that... Yep. Da, 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 like, I hear that, and I'm like, 
oh my god, I yep. should have expected this yeah, the whole time, totally. but I didn't, yeah. and I love it. And, and like, like we've talked about before, you know, uh, to me, soundtracks are a big crucial, part of the movie. Crucial, great, great selection throughout. Right. Um, which also even emphasizes like, the nineties of it. Totally, because I feel like that was a bigger deal. In the I 90s. thought it was in the music hit great um, when she goes back uh, to see. Uh, um, it's not the enlightened one when you know she she jacks in like the Matrix. Oh yeah, come as you are is on yeah. Nirvana. Right, it sounded it fit yeah. so nice and man. like the the etherealness yes. of that riff yes. like fit that yeah. totally because it didn't come off as grungy. The, yeah, those first it, few it, bars, you're like, oh man, that could be anything. Yeah, I, mean, I knew obviously what it was, but I'm like, that sure, could, that could work, you know, in this little it matrixy a looking very thing. Totally, place. yeah, yeah. It was. It, this isn't coffee shop, you know. Yeah, you know, think Nirvana, Seattle. Like, this isn't dank and dirty. This oh is, you know, matrix like, and it's come as you are. It was badass, man. I really dug it. I really dug it. I totally agree. Um, anything else you want to dig in on Marvel, Captain Marvel? We're gonna do. We'll do um, a, a whole bit when. Um, New Avengers comes out, Endgame, which new uh, trailers came out, looks killer. Uh, when that comes out, we'll do some type of we'll do a setup, full a full-on Marvel. MCU. Yeah, big time, big time. Um, you know, and it's still pretty fresh in my mind, and we've only seen it in the theaters. Once it comes out on you know DVD, you can really break down more yeah. stuff. But I, I, to me, and like you already said, Top ten, I wouldn't hesitate to say that's an easy top five as far as the Marvel MCU goes. Yeah. Um, especially in the last five years. I mean, it hit, like I said, it hit all the right spots. Great cameo, great soundtrack, great action, great acting. Um, there was nothing preachy about it. It fit in with the current timeline, the storyline. It, it, it hit all the right spots for me. I, I thought it was great. Yeah, I, thought I, it was great. I, I left that theater... Super fulfilled. Fair. Just feeling like I had really high expectations. And, the, like, it was weird. I had high expectations, but still didn't have... I didn't know what to... Ex- I didn't know totally. what I was looking forward to. Right. But I knew I was looking forward to it. Right. And I knew when I saw it, like, it just felt right. It was just a really... um well, and I I think because it got to play in kind of this 90s world that the rest of the MCU wasn't existing in, it got to just be a good movie. Right. Like I said, my, my criticism with Ant-Man and the Wasp was that it had to be part of the snap. Sure. And I feel like all of those movies, they're enriched by the fact that they're part of an expanded universe but also kind of suffer from the idea that we need the tie-in. Sure. Whereas this one felt like this was the first time in a number of years that I felt like I could see an MCU movie and it could just be a really good standalone movie. Like, I feel like this is probably the first time since the first Ant-Man mm-hmm. that I could go see an MCU movie and just know that it could just be a good movie. Be by itself, sure. Whereas, like, everything from first Ant-Man to now is just part of a bigger narrative, which is great. I Again, as a comic book fan, I sure. love that. But I also kind of love the one-shot oh, as absolutely. a comic book fan. Yeah. And Captain Marvel felt like 
that one shot. Like, yeah. this is just a cool, like, it references the other shit, but it it, it stands on its own it two feet. Right. It doesn't need them to in make a, their movie. Right. right in a mean. very big way. And I, I really loved that. Does, uh, and like I said, I, I like the movie. I don't want to sound like I'm harping on it by any means. The only other thing that I have a question, and like I said, maybe answered down the road, retconned, whatever, was the snapping. Mm-hmm. So that's when Nick Fury decided to use the pager. Right. Would he not use it Battle of New York and all that, you know, that, why totally. didn't he use that? Why is the, like, the Battle of New York is the, is especially. Right. Like. Also, the aliens are coming out of the sky. I understand How is that not? That's the reason to assemble the Avengers the right. first time. Right. But, yeah, I wanted, I, I had the same question. And like I said, maybe somewhere in there they will, uh, it'll address, you know, maybe when they do Captain Marvel 2, because you know they're going to. Uh, right. Um. You know, maybe that window where it's been the '90s, and all of a sudden now she's back. It's yeah. taken her that long to find homes for these guys, and yeah. I'm sure she'll have her out of space adventures, probably mixed in there with the Guardians, mm-hmm. blah blah blah, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, why? By the way, looking great. She's been gone since the '90s. Hasn't aged a day since she showed up there at the end. Well, trailer. you know that's how they're gonna they're gonna tie in new Avengers. That's what I thought. Right. And moving on to it ties into the new trailer. And I, maybe we're just reaching because we know the comics and we this is what we want. Mm-hmm. But I but really, what do we know about the next phase of the MCU? We know Spider Man Homecoming, mm-hmm. great. We know there's going to be a Black Panther movie. We don't know what it's about. Mm-hmm. We know there will be a Doctor Strange movie. We have no idea what it'll be about. Mm-hmm. And that's it. We don't know. We know James Gunn is back. We know James Guardians Gunn is back. For Gar- so now we know there's a Guardians. We don't know the time. We don't know mm-hmm. you know where it's going to be out. Um, but they've really given us no information about the next phase of the MCU. So New Avengers is definitely a thought. That being said, I have no doubt in my mind. We're going to Avengers vs X Men. Marvel or. Disney bought Fox. Marvel's back in the... Or X-Men Universe is back in the fold. That's where the smart money is. I think we will see parts of the Young Avengers. I think a a Kate Bishop could show up. I think either... um, uh, What's her name? The kid in Captain Marvel, the little girl. Uh, Photon? Yeah. Sure. The, uh, I think her or Shuri mm-hmm. could become a stand-in for Riri Williams as the new Iron Man. I, I've heard many things. Um, Shuri will be an Iron Man. I think I've either one that. of them yeah, could, I, could become that character. Like Riri Williams is the young African-American girl to sure. go for Iron Man right. in like like five, six years ago. Um, I think there's a lot there. And I think those things will be explored, but I think the the bigger build is going to be Avengers versus X Men. I think that's the next two I, to three I, phases, and I think that'd be badass. And I think and that's I, the smart money, totally for Marvel. I just do. You, I just didn't know if it would happen that quick, because sure, uh, I don't even know if officially they can use the X Men yet. As of, I know they are going to recast all the um, X Men. In after Dark three Phoenix. days they can I think it's is that March twentieth. Okay, they own the rights. It was when the finalized or when the thing goes through is March twentieth. Okay. okay, 
So having said that, you know, and they've nothing to say they can't film something and put it in. Sure. Because, you know, really, they've still been wrapping up Endgame. Like a week ago, they finished. You know right. what I mean? And it's going to be out in a month mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, you know, there's still time to do that kind of stuff, but put it in a, you know, end credits type thing or whatever. But since they haven't even cast any of the new X-Men after mm-hmm. Dark Phoenix, because that's going to be something separate, sure. obviously. Um, I don't know if it's soon enough to be the next phase. You know what I mean? X-Men versus Avengers. I get what you're saying, but I don't know that... So... Because even in the in MCU, my head, they haven't even said the word mutants yet. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I can't. But in my head, I look at the end credit scene of Endgame as doing one of two things. Either being a totally closure-giving scene that doesn't give you anything about the next phase, just really solemnly mourns the end of the previous phase. Mm-hmm. or So like shawarma? Right. Or does exactly what you're saying uses the word mutant for the first time. Right. If you have an end credit scene that's I don't know, let's say it's just Scarlet Witch hmm. who we know is a mutant. Right. But in the MCU obviously hasn't been because of legal reasons. Right. If the end credit scene of Endgame is I don't know, Captain Marvel referring to Scarlet Witch as a mutant. And you just, and, and the the last word is mutant. Right. Boom. That's all, you, and it didn't require you to have rights to say that. And that sets up everything for I the just want to see a, a bald dude rolling by in a wheelchair. Right. And you'd be like, holy shit. Man, I heard, uh, <laughs> what I hear, uh, I heard rumor of uh, Keanu Reeves, I guess was contacted. Yeah, to be uh, for the for the Jude Law role. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, um, and turned it down. Yep. But if he could end up being uh, Professor X, yeah. And I think about him bald in the Matrix. I'm like, oh, You're right. shit! Yeah. Wait yeah. a minute, coming up out of his little uh, that is. Cocoon there or whatever it was, yeah. Yeah, right. that is a legitimate Professor X. I, I don't hate it. I gotta lie, I don't hate it. Um, so we covered that. We're gonna, we, t- we mentioned briefly James Gunn is back as director for Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which is awesome. Right. Um, I hate the and idea. a St. Louis boy, no less. That's right, that's right. James Gunn is in our backyard, that's man. Right. Yeah, I, that always sat horrible with me. Um, not to defend his tweets or anything like that, but... When you can be fired for something that you said years and years ago out of context, that's a to me that's a rough precedent to start setting up. Well, you know, I think it's a rough thing as the result of kind of the world we live in. I think there are a lot of things that we want to condemn and should condemn. Um, but it becomes a really f- fuzzy line. Right. And and I, I respect Disney's choice. Totally. In that. I... I, let me think. Like, I also say, appreciate that they recognize that people deserve another chance. Sure, that's to me that's a big thing. He because this is that was you know it was a year ago. Call it an offense, call it whatever you want. That was the first time he's ever been singled out for something like that. You know, oh, sure that that uh, offended people or whatever. And but, he, 
I, and, it, and it, you know, I'm not saying, like I said, I, I, you don't want to make it like it's okay, but at the same time... It's looking at the context. It is looking at the context. Um, but and, I also think, so like, say, if I look at most public figures, if they make a controversial statement on a public forum, mm-hmm. so in this case, Twitter is a public forum, even if he made these statements in its infancy, um, I understand why a uh, big money company would pull their backing from that. Totally. Especially a Disney-type company. And sure. and I I respect that. I totally understand I, that. I think that's probably the safe bet, is to pull your money from a controversial figure. Um, as a viewer, I am happy James Gunn's back in the lead. And... As a supporter of that version of comedy, I also am. Me too. But I also know there are a lot of, say, like, James Gunn, without getting political here, I am typically politically aligned with how James Gunn feels. Sure. So his uh, satirical tweets make sense to me and don't offend Absolutely, right. That being said, there are a lot of further right-wing tweets or jokes that I find to be really kind of upsetting that sponsors also pull their pull their punches from. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fucking good, dude. Fuck that sure, guy. Sure, absolutely. So I, I can't speak out of both sides of my oh, mouth. Oh, I, I totally get that. So I yeah. understand where where Disney was, and I and I respect it. So I, I'm kind of in this weird, conflicted place where I I know that I'm kind of existing in this weird nexus where I'm I'm having my cake and eating it too. It's an odd. Um, it's an odd time in general. It is. Um, and like you said, I'm I'm a huge comedy fan, a comedy nerd. I love all types of comedy. You know, I, I really do. I mean, I really, a long time ago, my dream, I wish I could have been a stand-up. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm like, oh, I could fucking do, I love, you know, Carlin. Mm-hmm. I love, you know, I love all that shit. Sure. Um, because there's also an aspect, especially like the George Carlins and things like that, for lack of a better term, intelligence, um, sophistication oh, totally, to it. Totally. To where I feel like I get that joke, even though it's a well, it's joke the, about race, about sex, or whatever. Without being dismissive. Exactly. Um, and, you know, and some, but at the same time, I, I understand and I acknowledge the fact that what I find hilarious and funny isn't for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also even go back to I treat Twitter a lot like cable TV or the radio station. And people be like, "You can't play that song on the radio. Change the fucking station. Sure. If you don't like what he said on Twitter, why are you following him?" You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and and that's to each their own. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean he has free reign to do whatever he wants. But you don't have to listen. You don't have to watch. It's right. You know and, what I mean? It's not everything is for everybody. I agree with that. That being said, I feel like. Twitter is a public forum. Totally, sure. So, like, is Twitter the reason that you should be ostracized from society? No. But is Twitter the reason you shouldn't get a bunch of public money? 
probably... Fair enough, absolutely. Totally. Like, if you're reckless enough to speak very recklessly right. on a public forum, right. that should hurt you. I agree. You know, agree. say, for example, our current president, and again, without being political, mm-hmm. like, this is this has nothing to do with me typically being left-leaning. If I am... Are you going to talk about grabbing pussies again? <laughs> if, if, if I am... Uh, a a money giving entity. I am not going to throw it behind. Oh, absolutely! Someone who is on a very public forum, speaking in really derogatory ways, absolutely, or really divisive ways. Right. Um. Like, say our president, or how James Gunn did. So, like in James Gunn's tweets, yes, they are jokes that, within context, work. But he didn't. He didn't choose to tell those jokes within context in a special. Right. He didn't choose to tell those jokes in a small circle at a party. Right. He chose to tweet them to the mass public. Totally. And if I am giving public money, I am going to be careful with that public money. Absolutely. So I I understand Disney's choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you watch The Office at all? Of course. It's like Michael Scott trying to do. Chris Rock jokes. Yes, it's <laughs> you know what exactly I mean? what it it's is. It's great in the context, but you can't do but it. But you gotta that, choose it, your moment. Totally, and totally, totally. So I'm glad James Gunn is back, especially right. as a St. Louis boy, no less. Yes. Um, Not only that, um, Dave Batista, who was big, yeah, uh, as, you know, big Drax, supporter. big supporter. I, he probably wasn't going to do the right. next movie, which isn't a make or break, but that would have affected oh, things certainly. and blah blah blah. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that, uh, all that's come back together. That's a great franchise. Um, it deserves another movie. Um, I'm, I'm glad for, I'm happy for them all. So, yeah. so there's our political views for the day. <laughs> we got super serious. Uh, a couple other topics I wanted to hit. We tapped on like the new Avengers trailer. Are they, uh, hinting towards young Avengers? We kind of covered that. The only other pop culture thing I had on my list. Uh, um, we're hoping to have a guest next week. Local hip hop. That's right. Yes, Franklin will be here. Uh, If you're into local or if you're into hip hop, uh, for lack of a better term, indie hip hop, all that kind of underground shit, uh, check out Franklin. Uh, He should be with us next week. We'll do a whole music thing. Uh, We should have a great, diverse discussion on thirty years of music. You know, I got. I'm forty. John's thirty. Uh, he's nineteen twenty, so we got a nice range of. We got a lot happening. We there. can hit every boy band in every genre <laughs> in every decade. We'll, we'll be good to go. And for a somehow while Nick Lachey is going to keep showing. He up. just keeps <laughs> showing up. He just keeps showing up. Um, so yeah, big excited for that. That should be a fun show. Um, what else do I got on my topics? Sopranos. I'm a big Sopranos guy. Okay. Sopranos prequel, the movie prequel, uh, September twenty sixth, twenty twenty. So we got a release date. It is going to be called Newark. Hmm. Just Newark. Was originally the many saints of Newark. They deemed that too long. Because, you know, everything happens out of sure. Jersey, so it's now just straight Newark. Um, I could give a shit, honestly, about the title. Right. You're to me, like, I don't know why you don't use... I don't know how the sausage is made. I just right. See. I don't, I, right. And I don't know why you don't use the name Sopranos somewhere in there. It's fucking a moneymaker. Yeah. Um... If I didn't know, if I walked to a theater and I saw Newark and I didn't know it was Sopranos, what the fuck am I going to do that for? But whatever. You're um, not going to a theater. I'm, that's true. That's true. 
That's very true. Well, no, this will be in a theater. This is going to be a movie in a theater. This is not going to be just HBO. What? This will be a theatrical release. Yeah, totally. No shit. Sopranos will be a movie theatrical release. Huh. Uh, Columbia, I think, has it. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Good for them. Uh, we do got to get you ready. today. You know, Sunday's coming up. We're going to have to like either record right before or right after Game of Thrones. Because we're going to start doing Game of Thrones watch right. on Sundays. That's right. That's very true. Because my wife and your wife, neither one of us, neither one of them give a shit. Not at all, so, right. Well, you know, I have to record Walking Dead and then watch it after the fact. Well, we're, we're going to have to, like, watch Game of Thrones <laughs> And then together. do it after the fact, right. Oh, totally, you're right. You're absolutely right. Or right. we're going to have to record before because we won't be right. able to shut our fucking mouths it'll be, about Game of Thrones. It'll be one of those, we'll be on the podcast, be like, blah, 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 pause, Game of Thrones, hour and a half, unpause, blah, 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 blah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, we're only a few weeks from that. Yeah, which I'm pumped for, too. Uh, the previews look fantastic. Uh, that's one of those shows where even all the spoiler and spoiler rumors, whatever I read, I have no fucking idea what's going to happen. There's I have so lots much story, of thoughts, man. There's but so much I have fucking no, content. There is so much. There is so much. I mean... Jesus, dude. And then what's it's great about that show is that anyone could die at any moment. I mean, even, which, especially in this last season, the main character, a lot of them are going to die. Yeah, guaranteed. Um, and I'm curious to see how they're going to... I can't wait to say which ones. I, I, don't, I don't even, like, I, I'll have this prediction in my head because I'll read something online and then it'll totally change my, I'm like, fuck, that sounds great. Or I'll be like, oh, that's ridiculous. That's never going to happen. But somehow I want it all to happen. Yeah. I, uh, I don't even know what I want. In, I don't... Cut reaction. Who sits on the Iron Throne of this season? No Iron Throne. <laughs> Your altered state bomb. Your, yeah. No Iron Throne. No Iron Throne. Yeah. I feel... Now, I'm not going to say that the walkers make it all the way to Westeros. To, uh-huh. to Yeah. But I just feel like... It's gonna be Once, Tyrion, homie. It's gonna be Tyrion. I think Tyrion dies. I'm pretty. It's hard. It's. I mean, that's a whole podcast. It's Tyrion. gonna be Tyrion or Cersei. You're right. And and in a couple weeks, that will be our podcast. It but wouldn't surprise me, honestly. It's gonna be Tyrion or Cersei. Gendry. He is Robert Baratheon's son. I could see yeah. him getting with Arya Stark. They got a thing going on. Uh huh. John and, and Daenerys... They're both dead. They're dead, I think. They're both dead. I've heard many rumors where Tyrion is actually a... Um, um, uh, what's her race? Daenerys' race. Um, Stormborn? Yes. Because he's a bastard child. And in the books, um, Daenerys' father, the Mad King, had uh-huh. a thing for... Tygarian? Tygarian, the, his, his uh, mother. That's why a lot of times when... Uh, Tyrion's dad's like you're no son of mine he really is no son of his but he couldn't allow that secret to be known yeah. or that would destroy him because right. his wife was banging yeah, the enemy yeah now that like I said that's why I'm like there's so Tony, much out there it's gonna be but why keep Gendry in the fucking fold because you know he's your emotional hook because Gendry is to this point the only innocent. He's the only character that, like, on a human level, everyone can be like, I want to root for now, that Now, d- is he Robert 
bastard or is he Cersei's that firstborn that she said died and she gave away because it wasn't Jamie Lannister's because she didn't want Robert's right. ba- children. So that's what I'm saying. There's so much out there. Um, you know, once everybody finds out about John's connection, do they turn on him because right. he's not technically? No one's going to find out fuck. about John's connection because they're both going to fucking die beforehand. I don't know. I think I'm telling you, episode fucking one. Brand has to start telling people. I'm telling you, episode one. Daenerys and Jon Snow are gonna die. Just no, to oh, fuck no way. Everyone no way. Up, dude. No chance. No to chance. Fuck everyone up. <laughs> I'm telling you, right? Those two both die. Episode fucking one, and it's gonna be metal as shit. I, I'm all. I, whatever happens, I feel like it's gonna it's gonna be great. Right. I really don't. I can't wait. I'm not like, oh, this is gonna suck. This is gonna be a bummer ending. I really feel. No, man. I'm still. And, and maybe that's part of the books not being finished. So there's no. Like with Walking Dead, I feel like, okay, I know what's going to happen here. Yeah. You know, and it always doesn't. It's a little different there here and there. There is no canon. There, right. There's really not. There's early stuff, but he mm-hmm. hasn't finished it, and they don't stick with it uh-huh. exactly. They change stuff up. Um, I still always wanted to see, after the Red Wedding, um, Catelyn Stark come back. Because in the book, she came back as she was a fucking witch. She was badass. It was fucking awesome. It was cool. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they could have done that in the books. They, I doubt they will for the last season, obviously, but uh, but we'll see. I really doubt that. So um, this is going to be one of our longest podcasts. I got no problem with that. One of our best. One of the best, hands down. Um, Captain Marvel, blah 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 blah. What else you got, man? I think I, I hit know, all I'm, my fun stuff. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've hit everything of consequence, man. I'm I'm ready. Uh... Next week we'll do some music. Right, I'm ready. I'm ready to talk music with Franklin. Yeah. I'm ready to. Uh, I'm trying to temper myself because we do have Game of Thrones starting soon. We do have Endgame happening soon. We're kind of in this place where uh, a lot of dope shits on the horizon. Yeah. So I'm trying to, um, kind of keep myself a little more level with yep. it. Um. So I'm good. We did uh we did just recently get some new uh some new merch, some new logos, some yes. new shit together. Some new so swag, keep, yeah. Keep your eyes out for new altered state gear. And we'll start doing uh I think we're gonna start doing some contests through the podcast. Uh listen to our podcast, we'll come up with some some giveaways. Some giveaway stuff. We'll throw you some cool uh altered state merch. Uh we're gonna have some t shirts, some koozies, you know, all that cool shit. Um, but we'll figure some fun stuff out. Maybe throw in a pop or two. Maybe a little credit to the Altered State uh, website. Uh, we'll figure some stuff out. We'll get something good for you guys. It'll probably be related to, if we do a music one, we'll do some music theme stuff. We'll do our Game of Thrones type podcast. We'll mm-hmm. do our MCU breakdown, all that kind of fun stuff. So, uh, so yeah, I'm excited for what the future holds, dude. I think we got uh, a good thing rolling here. I think we'll have, uh, we'll have some more news imminent. Hopefully. Absolutely. Uh, All right. I'm Brandon. He's John. We're Altered State. We're out of here. We'll talk to you guys next time. See ya.